Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, the business at hand is the business of growing produce in urban centers, something that is increasingly important, and there are organizations around the U.S. who have dedicated themselves to programs and techniques to delivering hyper-local produce as part of a larger urban agriculture and sustainability movement, and one initiative, the Atlanta Eats effort, hosted by Atlanta, supporting the efforts of urban farmers and community gardeners by putting underutilized land to productive use, is a program that's truly on the leading edge, and so I'm very pleased to have as my guest today, Jill Arrington, the Executive Director of Groundwork Atlanta, and James Carr of Longleaf Media, both of which are major supporters of Atlanta. So welcome to the Business Hour, Jill and James. Thank you for Thanks having me. Um, let's uh, start off with a broad brushstroke uh, description uh, of the big picture for Groundwork Atlanta and its mission and how it supports the Atlanta mission, and then we'll drill down to Atlanta, the Atlanta uh, Eats Festival, which is coming up soon on Monday, July 16th, um, at an appropriate location, the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Jill, tell us a little bit about uh, how Groundwork Atlanta works with Atlanta. Thank you, thank you. Groundwork Atlanta is a tr- local trust it promotes sustainability in communities in throughout the United uh, throughout Metro Atlanta rather we are part of a network of trusts throughout the nation one of over two dozen trusts which promote environmental sustainability workforce development urban agriculture and brownfield redevelopment now for listeners out there and there are a number of listeners to this program that have heard programs um, that are dedicated to urban sustainability, environmental sustainability, and have some idea that sustainability is a concept whereby you have economic factors, social factors, health factors that are all supported in such a way that you can make all environments, but particularly urban environments, healthier. Correct. Okay, and so one of the things that a, a program like Atlanta uh, does to support that is something ever so important in the scheme of urban sustainability, and that's growing produce and teaching people to work the land, provide uh, underserved parts of, of urban areas with fresh produce and as James and I were uh, chatting uh, prior to the program uh, this is really a very very important aspect of maintaining the vitality of any urban area because we can't really foster enough people that will eventually in some cases become farmers or who are learning how to uh, work the land to create produce, and I just think that your program is, again, uh, as we said in our promo for the program, on the leading edge, and, and part of that is is that you're identifying uh, property in many cases, or maybe in all cases, you can clarify this, owned by the city of Atlanta, so it's underutilized, Correct. and then it's uh, turned into uh, farmland, in some cases even in the... Uh, um, the easements um, that Georgia Power might might own or oversee. Tell us a little bit about that whole thing about the availability of land. That is correct. We work with the city, and in fact, Atlanta is the birth child, if you will, of the city's urban agriculture director, Mar- Mario Camberdella, who works in the mayor's office of resilience. Um, this program focuses on using those underutilized sites, vacant sites owned by the city of Atlanta, as well as the land underneath the Georgia Power corridors, 
where the major transmission lines are uh, located and choosing particular sites in areas that are considered food deserts. Food deserts are areas that are stipulated by certain uh, parameters, if you will, that based on an area, an income level of a particular area and a distance from which that person can go from home to get to fresh foods, they consider that to be a food desert. So we select key sites um, in areas that are considered food deserts and then the city provides uh, that land for us to utilize. From our perspective as Groundwork Atlanta, we then work within the community and work with the city to find available farmers or in some cases, community residents who want to establish a community garden uh, and help them learn how to garden. You know, in the vast scheme of things, we talked about sustainability and, and health being a part of sustainability. You know, a healthier population is one that is uh, important. Uh, you know, you've got healthcare systems uh, in every major population area, um, county or, or, or state uh, overseeing programs. And uh, if you have healthier people, uh, less money is actually spent. I mean, for anyone who's thinking that these programs uh, don't benefit them, they benefit everyone. Uh, if you live out in a, in a suburb and there's uh, less money spent dealing with illnesses uh, associated with poor nutrition, um, and these programs actually are providing really uh, fresh produce. I mean, it is hyper-local in that it could be in your very neighborhood. Um, um, providing fresh produce is, is, is something that's good. And also, it's not uh, strictly it, it, uh, underserved communities. I mean, it, uh, it can be uh, other neighborhoods where they regard this as a priority and, and want to uh, um, get involved on a hands-on, working the ground level uh, to provide fresh produce. We talked about these uh, the, the lots which are being made available, uh, literally land made available for farming. Um, tell me about Groundwork Atlanta specifically and, and how you work with the city of Atlanta and maybe uh, uh, offer a little background. James, you might be able to talk about how Atlanta even came into existence. And by the way, Mario Camberdala, the uh, Director of Urban Agriculture for the City of Atlanta, is someone who's been on this program, so a tip of the hat to Mario uh, for any part that he plays uh, in helping the City of Atlanta to uh, take this big picture look at sustainability through urban agriculture. Um, and I saw that in a, a recent... Um, forum hosted by Atlanta, there was an amazing array of, of talent that was brought into uh, to a session that was educating people about uh, everything from uh, biotechnology to, uh, you know, hands-on farming techniques. Um, but tell us about how Groundwork Atlanta works with the city of Atlanta and how uh, together, uh, what that relationship, how Atlanta was formed, if you would. Yes. The ground, Groundwork Atlanta uh, contracts with the city of Atlanta for the ability to utilize and manage the Atlanta program, um, particularly on those lots that are in community lots or the Georgia Power Corridor um, lots. The thing to think about, urban agriculture is not uh, a one-sector uh, need. It's something that a lot of neighborhoods are getting into. You see a lot of farmers markets picking up all across the city. In our case, we have the ability to, with our um, project coordinator, um, Maurice Smalls, to teach individuals how to farm, to take them through the ropes of what it means to pull the permit to become one of the farmers on one of our lots. I'm going to stop you right there, okay. Jill, because I'm going to have you pick up. We're going to be taking a break. Um, we're here with Jill Arrington of Groundwork Atlanta and with James Carr, uh, founder of Longleaf Media, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, we'll be back right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peach Street ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. 
practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to your listening to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network Agriculture. And my guest today, Jill Arrington, the Executive Director of Groundwork Atlanta, and James Carr of Longleaf Media, which both support the efforts of Aglanta, which Jill has... Uh, before the break, Jill was explaining the relationship of um, her organization, Groundwork Atlanta, to the Aglanta in, in initiative, and we'll get into how Longleaf Media supports that effort uh, through communication. But before the break, you were saying that you know you pull permits or you help people with that process for having approvals. And, and, and again, most people do not think in terms of um, finding the land and what it takes to uh, get the permits and to work with Georgia Power. And at one point in time, I think that it was total hands-off to any of the easements that Georgia Power, uh, you know, owned. If You know, there's people in every city that have power lines going over uh, land that that is not used. It's only in recent years that we've started to use it for passive parks, uh, you know, green space, and in this case, more actively as agricultural land. And it was no easy task to get them to come around or to get all power companies uh, and some of the uh, uh, pipeline companies to allow permission uh, for that land to be used. And there's a component to creating a permit and getting access to that land. Take us through that, if you would. I will. What we're teaching individuals, um, young farmers um, or people who are new in the business, is that, yes, you want to grow the food, but understand that also this is part and part of a business. So there are aspects of running your urban farm um, or your urban garden that involves aspects that you may not be used to. Uh, for example, pulling the permits. Our project coordinator will take you through that process, help you go through the steps of, go of pulling that permit. But the other item is how do you look at your farm in terms of insurance requirements? Um, what do you need to do um, in terms of mapping out your lot if you're given a particular lot for an urban farm for example we need a design from you as to what you want to plant particularly with those lots that are on the Georgia Power easement because we need to get prior approval from Georgia Power um, so that we meet their restrictions on what we can and cannot do on those lots. And that's just something if there are any real estate developers that are out there they understand that Georgia Power is understandably um, 
cognizant of particular uh, vegetation um, height levels that are happening near those power lines, and we all are. We need our power. So there are things that we have to follow. Yeah, I would imagine that they don't want uh, really uh, tall uh, cherry trees or uh, peach <laughs> trees, for example, Correct. and that they would prefer lower... Um, <laughs> lower-hanging fruit, no, <laughs> lower-lying uh, crops uh, grown. Uh, can you grow corn, for example? Well, it all depends on what is available um, that we can grow on the lot. And let me take that even a step back further. When we select and work with the city to determine those lots, um, we not only take those before we ever offer that lot to the community as a viable lot, we at Groundwork Atlanta do what we call um, an assessment of the soil, determine what are the nutrient contents in the soil. But we also determine, is it a viable lot? Um, by the industry standards of what is within the normal range of um, um, additives or um, chemical composition within that soil, we want to make sure that it fits within that, that normal range. If it doesn't, we don't even offer that lot available for use. And and who is it that oversees that process of evaluating soil? I know, for example, that Mario Camberdala, who has a uh, degree in landscape architecture from the University of Georgia, would certainly be qualified to work with uh, geologists or soil experts. Uh, so is it the city of Atlanta that takes over that portion? No. Or is it groundwork? It is groundwork. Groundwork developed a parameter um, in consultation with the UGA um, Extension, um, who actually handles the testing, and a local company, Newfields, uh, that handles um, the analysis of the material and the determination of what is considered viable. Um, and we also, as I said, determine the nutrient content of the soil. So getting back to the um, issue of whether corn can be there, um, I think um, if corn is deemed as a viable crop based on the nutrient levels in there, then that can be one crop that is submitted to Georgia Power as a p possibility to be grown on the site. Um, and then if Georgia Power says it's okay, then it would be an allowed uh, crop. But on other sites that are owned by the city of Atlanta, if the soil test says that corn can be grown there, and if that's something within that individual farmer's plan, then yes, the corn can be grown there. And there are probably uh, fewer height uh, restrictions on the land, which is not uh, the power easement uh, property versus some of the tracts of land that the city of Atlanta has. Correct, correct. Um, Tell, tell me what currently are some of the, the crops being grown. Well, when it comes to the community gardens, that's the one that's having a lot of the activity that's happening right now. <clears throat> um, the community garden that is off of Campbellton Road, uh, that one we have fruit trees, uh, we have blueberries, I have seen eggplant, tomatoes, various types of greens. Um, but in addition to growing just those food-bearing fruits, they've also grown items that would we would consider sustainable. They've planted grasses in certain areas of the lot to uh, monitor and uh, collect water to reduce the amount of ponding in certain areas. So it's a, kind of like a rain garden, if you will, uh, to allow for the water to um, travel along the land appropriately. So it, it all depends on what's going on in and the lot. And for you know water to be retained within the site as opposed to exactly. uh, going into the sewer. Exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, something that again a lot of uh, people who are just beginning and have an avid interest in gardening or farming, they wouldn't be thinking in terms of the larger you know uh, hydrology uh, of the land and of sustainable uh, design of of the farmland. Um, how did Atlanta um, begin? How did, and I know that to some extent, um, when the city of Atlanta hired someone like Mario Camberdella, uh, that was a, a sign that they were thinking about urban agriculture, uh, which actually goes beyond just uh, uh, planting uh, produce, but to uh, cross over into total urban uh, forestry and, and, and canopy. I mean, there's a relationship between uh, the arable land that's used to uh, generate 
produce, but also the way that it fits into the larger scheme of, of urban agriculture. And so when they hired someone like Mario, that would certainly be an indication that they were thinking this way. How did Aglanta begin, James, and uh, um, when was it that the program really got off the ground? Um, which came first, Groundwork or, or Aglanta? Well, I think Aglanta came first, but the origins of Aglanta were rooted in an organization called ALFI, the Atlanta Local Food Initiative. And that was an all-volunteer group that essentially met to try and address some of the issues of uh, you know, creating greater access for food and also working on uh, developing a fruit tree canopy. Atlanta is the city within a forest. There are thousands of fruit trees that already grow around the city that aren't you know, as part of a farm or even a community garden. Um, and so there was a concentrated effort by um, you know, really a group of volunteers who met regularly and, and started doing things like a fruit tree sale. There's an annual Alfie fruit tree sale. Uh, and so this group also worked to set policy initiatives and directives that were uh, turned into the mayor's office. And so under Mayor Kasim Reed, he set various goals to eliminate food deserts and increase the amount of food production going on within the city uh, to address issues of sustainability and food access and things like that. And so these things really came to a head in what I think was late 2014 or early 2015 when Mario was hired as one of, if not the first urban agriculture director in the country. Um, so that was a major step. Uh, from there, Mario went on a series of listening sessions with farmers, other local food organizations such as the Food Well Alliance, uh, Georgia Organics, the Captain Planet Foundation, um, and, and, and several others who are, who are within the metro Atlanta area, and uh, really tried to put together a, a plan that would try to unite a lot of these various entities and individuals who were working towards a similar goal, but without uh, maybe an overarching brand to kind of guide them forward. And that was sort of the initiative that Mario was trying to create with Aglanta, something that the growers, the chefs, the nonprofits could unite behind and say, we are all working towards creating a more resilient, more sustainable food future for the residents of Atlanta, and this is a brand that we can unite behind. And that's very much what it has morphed into, and that's also what we're going to be celebrating at Aglanta Eats when all of these groups come together to raise money for this program uh, so that we can fund, uh, you know, keep this funded and make sure that the farmers and gardeners are set up for success. You know, um, this has all been a part of an, uh, uh, an evolution uh, of what I might uh, characterize as the greening of Atlanta, and I, I, I'll, I'll just throw this out. Atlanta hosts the world's largest 10K uh, road race uh, called the Peachtree Road Race, and it's something that I ran uh, a couple of days ago, or should I say I slow jogged. Make no mistake about it. I didn't run it. I slow jogged it. But I was really impressed with the greening of Peachtree, which I don't think included any peach trees, but we have more trees than ever, and if you miss uh, going down uh, sections of peach tree uh, over a period of time, you miss seeing some of that growth. And there was some really beautiful tree canopy covering sections of peach tree in a way that I thought was really fantastic. It made it a little bit cooler. We're here with Jill Arrington of Groundwork Atlanta and James Carr of Longleaf Media. We'll be back to talk with Jill and James right after this break. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 
This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and I'm very pleased to have today Joe Arrington of Groundwork Atlanta and James Carr of Longleaf Media, both of whom actively support through their organizations the efforts of Aglanta, which we've been explaining uh, as the organization which oversees the food gardens um, providing produce in various sections of Atlanta. And, um, Jill, I wanted to ask if you couldn't tell us a little bit about where some of the, the gardens are. Um, I know, for example, there was a garden that was uh, almost adjacent to the Martin Luther King uh, memorial site. Um, and has that been entirely moved uh, west? Is that the site that uh, Truly Living Well oversees uh, that's not too far from the uh, the stadium, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, or is that still an active site at all? I believe the site you're talking about is the one Vine City. Yes. That site is one of our sites. Uh, when we go into a neighborhood, particularly for a community garden, we actually canvas the neighborhood and try to get community input as to what they want in that particular site. Um, for this particular site, the community said that they not only wanted it to be a garden, they also wanted it to be an inviting area. So with benches, um, more herbs, more trees. Um, almost park-like? Almost park-like, uh, so kind of a blend, if you Al- will. Almost botanical garden-like? <laughs> I would love it to be almost botanical garden-like. I um, think I saw on that site some flowering uh, plants that were really beautiful, actually. Yes. Uh, and, and, and maybe they're going to do a little more of that? Maybe a little bit more of that, yes. So as it, it continues to grow, we continue to have community input, particularly for the community gardens, there has to be a community leader who helps run and manage what happens on the garden because our project coordinator can't go to all the gardens and manage all the gardens um, on a day-to-day basis. So there is a community leader who works with the community so that community members come together under his or her leadership to uh, continue to maintain it. Now, I know that the garden at that, that, um, one point was overseen by the Truly Living Well organization headed up by Rashid Nuri, who actually sits on the Fulton County Environmental uh, Commission along with me. Uh, and Rashid uh, has a new site uh, that is the site I mentioned close to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. How does that site fit in with the big picture? Does it work independently or does it draw some support from uh, Atlanta? How is that uh, set up? Well, Truly Living Well has been uh, you know, a flagship enterprise for urban agriculture in Atlanta as a whole, um, along with uh, the work Bobby Wilson had been doing and, and Habesha Inc. Truly Living Well was among the first farms to be established in, in Atlanta, and they were a big part of um, changing the code to make urban agriculture illegal in Atlanta. It was not up to code uh, prior to what they were doing. A lot of the urban agriculture work was technically against the law up until a few years ago when the code was amended and um, the city the city council in Atlanta did a great job and their uh, ordinance has now been adopted by places like uh, DeKalb, 
uh, city of Decatur, I believe Clarkston nearby is looking at adopting something similar. So, um, you know, really uh, changing the game when it came to urban agriculture. Uh, they have their own program that is set up to train young growers to provide, uh, you know, in, in a similar vein to what uh, the Grows a Lot program is. That they're they're aiming to provide food to people who need it. They're able. They're aiming to provide training to people who want to be able to grow more food. Uh, as well as be a community space for people to, to come and be in a healthy place for kids to play, uh, for them to learn and grow, uh, you know, literally and, and metaphorically. So um, they, th- you know, they, they have some relationship with the Grows A Lot program. For example, folks who had been through some of their training programs were given um, preferential uh, placements on on the for applicants. If you had gone through a program like Truly Living Well, you were more likely to be able to be placed on a site. Um, so they're very much partners in the sense of developing urban agriculture. Um, and you know the role they play in Atlanta is vital. But in this program, they're not. There's not a ton of of overlap directly. You know, I I um, haven't spent a lot of time at uh, in these. Uh, Growing um, settings, uh, but I have been to the truly living well uh, site, uh, the one which we mentioned near Vine City, and the one which is over by the stadium. Uh, and I, I do know that just the mere presence of that garden in that neighborhood, uh, you know, there there were children, and as you make the the gardens more accessible almost like passive parks uh, or passive botanical gardens or passive agricultural gardens, whatever you want to call them, um, you have kids growing up with a consciousness of of agriculture. And if for no other reason, you know, if we foster uh, a few urbanites who become agriculture um, knowledgeable or just inspired to look into becoming farmers, I mean, there there's a value associated with just that exposure, and I don't know if the Atlanta program has a, a children's uh, focused um, program or not. You can tell me a little bit about that, but I do know that in general, uh, if we foster just a couple of uh, farmers uh, from the program, uh, uh, the that very important task. Uh, will have been done. And uh, again, James and I had this conversation about, you know, America is viewed as very agriculturally productive, but we need to be more agriculturally productive. And so we can use more farmers, certainly more independent farmers, I think. Uh, So uh, are there any programs that uh, are geared toward children? Well, right now we don't have any formal programs in place for children in the Atlanta program, um, but that's not to say at least with the Atlanta grows Atlanta grows a lot. Um, what it does mean, um, however, that particularly at the food forest, we do have uh, youth groups coming to the food forest working with that. Um, our Groundwork Atlanta's own green team, which is our youth. Uh, workforce development component. Um, we are working to build that. Right now we're working on invasive species removal, um, but we have components of that to build up the agriculture department or agricultural programming for that. Our program coordinator already works with a local high school in Atlanta um, in their agriculture department. I think from the standpoint of all of us, all of our, the different organizations, cities, counties, even the state, all of us looking at agriculture as something that we need to sustain and not look at it as that's something that happens in the rural areas. It's something that can happen in the urban areas as well. I think that is what we're promoting, particularly given the recent um, legislation that was passed and signed by uh, the governor to promote um, K-12 through uh, agriculture training. Um, I think that's a phenomenal push to help promote agriculture. And if we get uh, five kids out of that come out of this that say, hey, I'd like to do this, then that continues that growth of agriculture. Yeah, I, I think that it's a tremendous byproduct uh, to raise the consciousness of adults and children yes. uh, and any ages in between uh, that might inspire uh, folks to want to be farmers, uh, even on a small scale, uh, 
and remaining in town. Um, but if, um, for example, we get children who then go on to study uh, uh, agriculture and move out uh, rurally, um, that would be a, a, a good thing. Um, how does one apply to the program? There is at the Atlanta website, aglanta.org. A-G- L-A-N-T-A. Correct. Dot org. Dot org. There is an application process that you can find online when you um, go to the part along the top uh, bar that shows that Atlanta grows a lot. You can click on that and go uh, scroll down and you'll see where you can apply for the applications. And that's how you fill it out. It's just com- a completely simple online process. I understand that you have the uh, good problem of currently being filled uh, the uh, and what does that mean uh, when would someone who wants to apply for the future when would that period begin and can they apply now um, with the intent of starting in the future in the Two things I want to mention on that. The first being, um, we are, based on the success that we're currently seeing with this program, we are trying to ramp up additional lots. So as many more lots as we're able to ramp up and put into play as we continue the year down the year, we can also have available applications and um, go through the process again. Um, I suggest that if you want to um, inquire about it, uh, there is a way on the website to uh, submit your inquiry um, and find out more about applying um, and or um, you can reach um, contact me at um, my email address and I can forward to the appropriate individual that's jill at groundworkatlanta.org jill at groundworkatlanta.org yes now we talked a little bit about what could be grown on these sites, and you said it was uh, site-specific, given a, a soil analysis, and also the input, if it's near a power easement, uh, there were some restrictions, uh, height being one of them. Uh, any other guidelines for uh, what can be grown? Do you uh, try to target, uh, if the community has, uh, the surrounding community has asked for uh, lettuce or tomatoes, you know, greens or uh uh, some kind of fruit, uh, is that something you then suggest to an applicant that they might consider? Well, I think um, if it's a community garden, if the community wants that input, then the community so designates that lot or that community garden for that particular type of produce. Um, for the urban farms, it's specific with the particular farmer, um, and those farmers do come with their plans of what they want to place on those lots. And what's done with what's grown? How's that uh, distributed? A variety of ways. In fact, um, with taking back or looking back at the Campbellton Road uh, site, inside the lot there are individual planter boxes that each individual person plans to grow for him or herself, and then they get to distribute however they wish. But they are so um, focused on giving back to the community that they've designated planter boxes outside the fenced area for individuals who live in the community or are walking by who want to enjoy some of the uh, produce grown. They can simply pick up a piece of fruit or a vegetable and take it on, on their merry way. So it all depends on what the farmer or the community garden wants to do with it, um, but uh, for some, it's give a give away, um, and it's some it's for individual consumption um, or other economic ventures. So it's the uh, the neighborhood and the farmer kind of collaborating. Exactly. Okay. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're here with Jill Arrington of Groundwork Atlanta and James Carr of Longleaf Media. We've been talking about the Atlanta initiative. We're going to talk specifically about Atlanta Eats, uh, a program that's coming up on uh, July 16th at the Atlanta Botanical Garden right after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, 
and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We've been talking with Joe Arrington, the Executive Director of Groundwork Atlanta, and James Carr, the founder of Longleaf Media, both of which support the Atlanta program uh, and in here, here in Atlanta. Uh, and so we want to transition to talking about how Atlanta um, is hosting Atlanta Ag- uh, Eats the Atlanta Eats Festival on uh, Monday, July 15th, uh, very appropriately at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Um, I guess it could be more appropriate to be on one of the sites where uh, there's uh, food being grown, but uh, that'll come in due time. I know I attended at least one event on the Truly Living Well site uh, um, where we had a uh, commissioner, uh, environmental commissioner's meeting. Uh, we brought some of the board of commissioners, and uh, we enjoyed uh, some really delicious uh, food from those gardens uh, for lunch. Um, but uh, tell us what is going to happen uh, on July 16th uh, at the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Well, you're you're going to have a, uh, a a totally sensory experience uh, at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. There is an amazing exhibit, the Imaginary World exhibit, that has um, a quick Google search will probably blow your mind. I mean, some of the um, the designs that they've done. I mean, they're they're huge. Fourteen, what bigger than that? Even twenty feet. Yeah. Some feet of the world's feet, largest topiary, I guess, is yeah, the way you describe it. Truly amazing. And so we're also sourcing food from growers in Atlanta. So this is going to be a very hyper-local food festival. Some of the top chefs in the city are participating. Um, So, you know, you'll get to see uh, the beautiful sights of the Botanical Garden. And they actually, they do have an edible garden um, that we are going to try to utilize for a couple of chef demos. Um, There'll be some some fresh food prepared by some of Atlanta's best chefs. You'll get to learn a lot more about the program. You'll get to meet growers who are going to be on the Grows A Lot sites. There'll be uh, a new round of of growers will be unveiled, as it were, at this uh, this event. Um, We'll have, you know, folks from the the mayor's office there, uh, some city council members. And so this will be a place where you can learn a lot more about the program. You're going to eat some delicious food. We've got some uh, specialty cocktails as well um, that'll be featuring some local herbs. Um, So it's just going to be a lot of fun, I think, uh, bottom line. Uh, but you'll also get to engage in this program that is, uh, that is vital for our continued um, success, for sustainability, uh, for resiliency, and you'll be funding this program. You can talk to the people participating in it. You can learn how to get more involved. And, uh, you know, it really, it really is about the power of food to bring us all together for this common goal. You, you have... Um uh, local farmers that are participating in the uh, event. That's right. So, so it's not uh, just the um, the food gardens uh, in the city, but some uh, farmers from the from the area participating. Correct. Yep. Um, I believe we will have some food from Truly Living Well. Uh, Urban Sprout Farms will be involved. Free Wheel Farm will be involved. Um, there's a few others who I'm not sure we have confirmed 100 percent yet, but uh, there are a lot of um, 
successful grower, grow where you are who have been doing this work for, for a while. And, and James, did you just say that the actual Atlanta Botanical Garden has some herbs growing on site or some uh, More than some just produce? herbs, yeah, some produce too. They have a demonstration edible garden, um, and they have an outdoor kitchen nearby. So we're hoping to use that with our friends at Peach Dish uh, to show people how they can, you know, make some, some quick, simple meals. And Peach Dish is a, a valuable partner um, to, to local agriculture. They source from sustainable farmers. They're a meal kit delivery service. So folks here in Georgia, if you want to learn some new cooking <coughs> techniques and source some local sustainable food and support your local farmers. They're an amazing uh, company to, to, uh, to purchase from. So growers and chefs um, are, are encouraged to uh, attend and eaters. Uh, Definitely. Just yes. People who don't necessarily want to farm. Uh, but want to enjoy the best possible products. And that's where you're going to get it locally. You know? Right. It's when you can pick something fresh off the vine and turn it into a meal within a couple of days, or in this case, a couple of hours, you'll notice the difference in the taste. It's just that freshness. It has that extra extra flavor. The smell is, is more intoxicating. The, the, it's more, it's juicier. You know, it's just the whole experience, in my opinion. Obviously, taste is totally subjective, <laughs> but um, there's nothing like picking a tomato off the vine and biting right and certainly that's what uh, Atlanta is fostering. Uh, you know, people are always talking about, you know, going to the south of France or to Italy or to California uh, and Texas, which is a big agricultural state, and getting fresh uh, produce and how much better it tastes. Well, you just can't get more local than the hyper-local uh, gardens and farms. And uh, as you say, we're going to, or you'll be drawing upon the uh, herbs and, and other produce from the Atlanta Botanical Garden that very um, evening. Um, who are some of the other food-focused foc- uh, organizations that, that participate in this? Uh, well, there's uh, the Foodwell Alliance that's been uh, instrumental in providing some support and some funding for a lot of agriculture programs. Uh, Georgia Organics has been a stalwart in the state for almost about 20 years. They've been uh, formally gathering local and sustainable growers for a conference uh, for about 20 years, and they've done some innovative farm-to-school type of programs. Um, there is Global Growers, which is, is working with immigrant and refugee farmers to um, you know help them stay connected to their culture and grow really interesting culinary herbs and different types of peppers and uh, different greens than we typically see here that are adding you know, a whole new depth of, of flavor um, and culture to our to our city. Um, it's, it's, this is you know it's becoming such a strong area that I'm I'm concerned now that I'm going to leave some some great people out who are doing some good work. Captain Planet Foundation with their farm to school work. Um, you know, Concrete Jungle does a lot of work with rescuing food from fruit trees and farms and and giving it to food banks and food shelters so that they can uh, that folks can have fresh healthy food. Um, and so there really is a, a very strong community of, of organizations. And then, of course, there's there's several there are farms. The Atlanta Farmers Coalition is, is doing some really interesting things with group pur- purchasing for growers and also organizing around getting more access to land, which, again, is a big part of the Grows A Lot program because it is very difficult to grow food if you don't have land. Isn't that right? That is right. <laughs> <laughs> so especially in urban areas, but land is becoming harder and harder to come by. Yeah, and that's true uh, for most urban areas. Uh, You know, land is uh, becoming scarce. Uh, Developers want to snatch it up and uh, build on that land, and uh, um, agriculture falls by the wayside. So this is a great uh, way to reclaim the land. You know, you had mentioned earlier, Jill, um, the removable of of invasive species. That's got to be a very significant part of what goes on on some uh, plots of land uh, because... There are some non-native, very invasive species that require a significant effort to remove, and I don't know if uh, there are goats engaged in the process. Um, there might be, but I, I, I do know it's it's an intensive effort to uh, sometimes uh, remove those invasive species and, and prepare the land to uh, be uh, um, growth-oriented. It can be, um, and it's funny you say goats. Actually, on our Mary George site, Community Garden, they actually do have goats there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, actually, I I was driving down Waiuka and looked over and saw the goats, uh, which had been further down uh, Waiuka 
towards Linux and uh, more recently uh, closer to Roswell Road, I saw goats right uh, in the front yard of uh, one of the homes on uh, uh, Waika, and I thought, oh, it's uh, good uh, good for the goats and uh, good for the land to be cleared of uh, invasive species. Jill, how did you uh, come to be involved in anything related to agriculture? Well, actually, my background is um, real estate and community development work. Um, I've been working in community development work since, I will not say how many years. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say it's been a long time. Um, And in working with that, um, in uh, rural communities throughout the southeast um, and doing what we call adaptive reuse of older buildings, turning buildings that may be considered um, brownfield sites into something that the community wants, Um, we've been able to, working with a consulting firm, uh, utilize those properties uh, for community benefit. And that took me into affordable housing. I have background in real estate, working on a commercial uh, level as well, and pulling all of that background together brought me to groundwork. Yeah, you would seem to be perfectly suited. I mean, we've been talking about uh, finding land, preparing land, making it available to farmers, and uh, there are many legal aspects uh, to that. Uh, Yes. Are you an attorney? Um, I do not practice. um, (laughs) But your legal background certainly comes into play. It does. It does. Um, I did follow down the, the family uh, the family, uh, how should we say, field, um, but found a good niche with uh, community development work. Yeah, it sounds, mm-hmm. uh, again, that, like you're perfectly suited for this. In James Longleaf Media, um, one major focus are sustainable organizations and yep. urban agriculture, um, but you also had a background with Georgia Organics, so you would seem to be perfectly suited to help support the communication efforts of uh, Aglanta. Yep, that's right. I worked for, for Georgia Organics for about two years, and, and they really, um, you know, they have an amazing reach and, and created an amazing platform and that enabled me to meet a lot of folks and also work in, in you know, the event space. Uh, they host an annual conference for about a 1,000 people, so that helped me learn the language and also learn, you know, literally how you organize and promote events like these. Where did you study in school? I studied communication at the University of Georgia. So you would seem to be... Um also perfectly suited with a communications background that then became focused on matters of sustainability, sustainability right. and agriculture. And Jill, what did you study in uh, school before you were a law, ma- a law major? Before uh, attending Emory for a law school, I actually studied history and music at Rhodes College. Ah, okay. yes. Hopefully that will come into play uh, as well <laughs> uh, at some point in time. Well, I, I want to thank you both uh, for taking the time to be on the business hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've been listening to Jill Arrington, the director of Groundwork Atlanta, the executive director, and James Carr, the founder of Longleaf Media. And we've been talking about the Atlanta initiative here in Atlanta. You've been listening to Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on from 10 to 11 on Fridays. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the Internet and the radio next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.